This is 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. And now, with their always informative and often entertaining take on the sports news of the day, here are Jonathan Raggis and Jim Williams. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of 24-7 Sports Hub Radio. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis, and as always, my partner in crime right next to me, Jim Williams. What's going on, bud? Pleasure to be with you here. Not much going on. We've got a happy hump day edition of the show for you because oh, we're going to talk about Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about uh, the Aaron Rodgers situation. More bad doings in Miami as more news leaks out. That is quite unsettling. A little NBA talk, a little NHL. But in between all of that, boy, do we have a guest today. Dave Coulier. You remember him as Joey Gladstone from Full House. If you watched cartoons in the last 30 years, you've heard his voice doing some of your favorite characters. Absolutely. He's doing stand-up. And a matter of fact, we'll tell you about where he's doing stand-up and where you can catch him doing his thing. And uh, he's quite a big hockey fan. He actually was a hockey player growing up. We'll talk about that uh, interesting past and uh, how he plays in some charity games to this day. Talk about his Red Wings, how they're doing and everything and whatnot. And if you have any questions or comments for Mr. Coulier, go ahead and send them to us via chat. Our chat room is open on the show page. Or Twitter. Well, or, or, or Twitter. Yes, Twitter's good, too. We also uh, have the phone number, 347-237-5373. Click to Skype as well. That is how you can get in touch with us and get in touch with Dave. And then, you know, then you'll st- continue asking yourself whatever happened to predictability. The Milkman, the Paperboy, the Evening TV. All right, I'm done. I knew you were going to go there. Thank you very much. But let's go back to Monday Night Football. Let's start off with that. Absolutely. The uh, Chicago Bears with a 27-20 win over the Green Bay Packers, both Chicago and Green Bay now 5-3. and three. But the big story coming out of this one, Jim, is the injury to Aaron Rodgers. And we know now it's a broken collarbone. Now ESPN believes it's going to be a three-week process before he can even come back. That's probably a conservative estimate. It is the non-throwing side, but still. You know, even if it's three weeks, we're already going into week 10. Seneca Wallace at the home for three weeks. Unless they get a lot from him, you can honestly say that the Packers aren't making the playoffs. Well, if he comes back by week 13 or 14, and they're 5-5, and 5-6, and 5-7 by that time. They've got a fighting chance in that regard, I think. But, you know, Eh, eh, eh. famous last words. But again, the one big positive, if you want to counteract that, Eddie Lacy has shown up. 22 carries, 150 for a touchdown and a losing effort. If In the interim, Green Bay has got to rely on Eddie Lacy and James Starks. They have to to have any chance. Well, especially now it's Seneca Wallace at the home. Not that he looked terrible when he came in, uh, you know, 11 of 1,914 yards, but of course he threw that pick, so that always hurts your chances. But it's a shame. It really is a shame, especially for Aaron Rodgers, man. We need, uh, you know, the Green Bay Packers need Aaron Rodgers, I think, in order to make the playoffs. Both uh, Detroit and Chicago are both 5-3. and three. So now they got a chance to really pick up the game with, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers now out. Certainly. And you've got Josh McCown on the other side, who was serviceable, let's say. He did okay. He did his part. Eh, not bad. 22 of 41, 272, two touchdowns. And they're probably going to end up using him again this coming week because 
Cutler coming off the injury, uh, he's not as ready as he thought he might have been. <laughs> no. Yeah, and Matt Forte again, 125 yards on the ground, pretty much you know, match for match with Lacey, touchdown and everything there. Brandon Marshall with a touchdown grab, Alshon Jeffrey with one as well. Hard to believe Chicago's in better shape right now than Green Bay. Kind of mind-numbing when you think about it. You know, if both of these teams are going to have to rely heavily on, uh, you know, Matt Forte and Eddie Lacy and even Michael Bush and, uh, you know, uh, Starks, you know, in the end as well. It's, it's all about that running game now for both of these teams. It absolutely is. So uh, we shall see what happens uh, from here on out as we get into week number, hard to believe, week number 10. <sighs> Insane. It, you know, it, it just started, and now we're past the halfway mark. It's, it's absolutely criminally insane. Not fun, because, yeah. you know, it kind of hurts that we're getting to the end of the uh, NFL season, almost. It, it does. It does. I don't like it, man. I don't like it one bit. You know, maybe we wait so long for it, and it goes by so quick only because, you know, games are on Sundays, of course, and, you know, the occasional Thursday and Monday game for our teams. But it is what it is, I guess, right? Yeah, it is. And speaking of which... We got to pick a game. We do. We do. Yeah. That's uh, tomorrow night's game, and that is the three and five Washington Redskins in Minnesota to take on the one and seven Vikings. Vikings looked a little better this week. Ponder came back. I don't know about this one, man. To me, this is kind of a toss up here. What do you think, John? It is. It's the question of which pile of poop is a little shinier. <laughs> um, I-, I tried to clean that up as best I can, boys and girls. Yeah. Um. I'm going to go Washington, and that's it's a pick It really is a pick game. I mean, Alfred Morris, I think, is going to do fine on the ground. I, I, I think we'll get something in between from Peterson, maybe 80, not 80 90 yards, maybe 100. But I, I can't trust Ponder at quarterback. I just cannot, and I believe Ponder is still the starter, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he is for now. I, I You know what? I'm going to go at Washington as well, but I wouldn't be shocked if somehow Adrian Peterson led the Vikings to a win over the Redskins. Redskins are looking a little bit better as of late, but that's because of Alfred Morris. I, I mean, you know, don't get it wrong. Can RG3 have a good game against the Minnesota Vikings defense? I think he possibly could, but then again, it's RG3, and he's just not having a great season. So I'm going to go Washington on this one. I mean, that's uh, really all I could do. And we'll pick the rest of the games on Friday's uh, program, and we hope you listen in for that. And now the show's over. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, there's more to talk about in terms of the National Football League. A couple of moments ago, just before we went live here at 12 noon Eastern on a, a Wednesday in November, first Wednesday in November, yeah. uh, it was officially announced that Wade Phelps would be the interim head coach, kind of to no surprise to anybody. For the Houston Texans, at least for this week and perhaps for the foreseeable future, Gary Kubiak diagnosed with uh, a transenchemic attack, essentially a, uh, a mini-stroke. And uh, he will be out of commission at least for this week. He's the kind of person who is going to, if you ask any of his players, he wants to push himself, push himself, push himself. But now he needs to take a step back and think about the greater good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we wish, obviously, uh, Gary Kubiak the very best. And, um, you know, the makeup of this team is already fragile, considering the way they played this season. Maybe they try to win one for the Gipper, as it were, this coming week. I don't know. Who knows? We've seen it happen before in the NFL, but I don't know. I feel bad for uh, Texans fans as well. They got to put up with Wade, uh, Wade Phillips now. So yeah, well, you know, he he ain't bum Phillips. I'll tell you that. Dallas fans know all about that. Oh, true. Touche, touche. Why don't we? Uh, you know what, Jim? Why don't you give us a little update on what's going on with the uh, Richie Incognito situation down in Miami? Because of course, uh, since the last time we were on air, some more things came to light, and even today, 
more stuff is coming out. You know, it's mind-numbing because there are a lot of people who are going off on Jonathan Martin, and, and I don't get it. I don't get why people are going off on him. I guess it's the belief that, oh, he's a snitch. Let's rail against him. Yeah. I, I mean, when racial slurs are brought out and physical threats towards yourself and loved ones, that's where I draw the line. So Incognito was caught by, go figures, the tabloid station in Miami, uh, WSBN Channel 7. They caught him in a parking lot, leaving, I believe, a doctor's office on Tuesday. And uh, Incognito said the following, quote, you know what? I'm just trying to weather the storm right now. You know, no comment right now. We're just going to kind of weather the storm. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So, okay, it gets even more befuddling, shall we say, as right we the Sun Sentinel, a paper down there, I believe based out of Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. citing a couple of sources reporting yesterday, Dolphins coaches asked Incognito to toughen Martin up over the spring, Martin missing a voluntary team workout in the process, sources telling the Sun Sentinel that Incognito took the request a bit too far. you think? If that's I'm sorry, case. but you know what? Toughen up and uh, doing what he did is two totally different things. Toughen him up is Richie Incognito taking Jonathan Martin under his wing, showing him the ropes in the NFL, maybe working out with him, giving him a new workout routine, you know, talking to him. That's toughening somebody up. You know what I mean? This is not, you know, racially attacking the guy, threatening his family. That's not toughening him up. Come on. Let me, let me raise this point that my main man Keith Olbermann brought up last night on his show, and through Peter King, among other people, as well. <laughs> the concept of hazing yeah. in this day and age, do you think that the NFL is going to crack down on it as a whole and just shun hazing kind of like they did with the whole bounty situation a few years ago in New Orleans? I think so. I just had a conversation with uh, 247sportshub.com writer Glenn Miller yesterday. We talked about this. He threw his points at me. I threw his points at him. And... Um, you know, to me, I think this happens more than once, and, and, and I'm sure it is, and I'm sure it's going on now in the NFL, but it's always hidden under the term rookie hazing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and everybody's coming out saying, well, Jonathan Martin didn't handle it the right way. But, you know, what? then again, maybe he was afraid to tell the coaches this because the coaches would turn around and possibly tell the veterans that Jonathan Martin is complaining about them, and then what do you think they're going to do under the terms of rookie hazing to Jonathan Martin after that? Mm-hmm. I honestly think they're going to have to crack down on it. I think they're going to have to keep a better eye on their rookies in, you know, from, from now and into the future. Mm-hmm. I think they just have to. You know, it's, you know, it's one thing to make them you know, dress up like a cheerleader or, or a French maid on Halloween. It's and, another or thing. wear the pink backpack everywhere yeah. they go. Okay, it's another thing to make them all clean up the laundry out of their locker. You know, paying for $15,000 trips, $30,000 dinners, and then racially attacking them, leaving voicemails, threatening the family, that's, 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 that's way beyond rookie hazing in my it's mind. It's criminal. Yeah. It's criminal intent. It's not like, you know what, they all went to McDonald's and the bill was 200 bucks. You know what I mean? Right. When you go out, uh, you know, and of course we got the thing today when, you know, that infamous Des Bryant uh, bill when he was a rookie supposedly was $54,000, and then we're learning today that Cowboys owner Jerry Jones actually paid it for him. Oh, you know, well, what a shock there. Right? You know, but even that, $54,000, you know, that's not rookie hazing. I think that's stupid. You know, doing stupid little things is rookie hazing. You know, uh, you know, doing this type of stuff, that's just way beyond. And, you know, especially what Richie Incognito did, whether it was from the advice of the coaches that toughen him up or whatnot, it was disgusting. And if it was because of the advice of the coaches telling him, I think everybody should be held accountable. 
Speaking of people who should be held accountable as a tangent to this, let's go up to New York. Let's talk about your main man, not really, on uh, Antrell Roll, okay? Antrell Roll said the following to WFAN on the matter. I'm going to quote him directly. Go for it. Richie Incognito, is he wrong? Absolutely. But I think the other guy, referring to Martin, of course, is just as much to blame because he's allowed it to happen. First of, no, first of all, no something like that would never, ever happen to myself because I wouldn't allow it to happen. You know, at this level, you're a man. You're not a little boy. You're not a freshman in college. You're a man. So I think everything has its limits. So there's no way that another man is going to make me pay for something that I choose not to pay for. Hazing is hazing, Roll continues. You're going to go through it at the collegiate level. You're going to go through it at the professional level. But once it gets beyond that point and once it becomes a personal thing, that's where the problems happen. As teammates, it's extremely important that you respect one another. Respect is a must within a locker room. End quote. Your thoughts on Roll's reaction? Don't agree with them at all. I don't. I don't agree with anybody really coming out right now and throwing out their two cents. I mean, Ricky Williams came out today as well and said something about it. Was he high? Probably. But you know what? Let's you know let's let's look at Ricky Williams' comments and I'll start it off right here. Quote. I think I can relate and I can speak on this because I was at a point where I was done with the NFL and I needed to take a break. But unlike Jonathan Martin, I didn't have to find a scapegoat or someone to blame. I didn't have to bring anyone else down when I found out that I just couldn't handle what I was going through at the time. There's all these text messages and these voice messages. It takes some awareness and some planning and some orchestration to actually save those and record those. Martin is fighting incognito, but he's just doing it in his own way. If we're going to talk about the story as a hazing story, which doesn't fit, or as a bullying story, it's really a great example of the kid that is getting bullied fighting back in his own way. I think they're both victims. I think the truth is never going to come out. One guy has a paid vacation, and one guy has a vacation that's not paid for right now. End quote. You know, I think, you know what, I think this is a, a, a matter that needs to be handled by the team, by Jonathan Martin, by Richie Incognito, and by the NFL under wraps. And... I, I, I think these players like Antoine Roll, uh, excuse me, Antoine Wall and uh, Ricky Williams coming out to you know say their two cents on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think they should even be talking about it right now because they don't know what's going on behind closed doors. They don't know the and I'm sure there's right. more to it. They're try- I think they're defending their own insecurities, quite frankly. Of course they are. You know, because they they've done the whole thing. They've probably done maybe not as bad, but they've done the, the deed themselves. Absolutely. The question I have to raise also is this. And it's the overriding question in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Where's Joe Philbin been in this whole thing? You noticed that, right? He's been a little quiet, and we haven't really heard anything about Joe Philbin. But, you know, I'm sorry, man. It's He's done. I, I don't see any way he keeps his job in Miami. I do not see any way. His team could run the table. I don't see him staying in Miami because this is going to be his quote-unquote legacy with the Dolphins. It, l- listen. If Richie Incognito doesn't leave the Dolphins, which I can't see how he's going to stay with the Dolphins now. I can't see how Incognito is going to play for another team in this league. Exactly. Somebody else has to be the scapegoat on a higher level than the player. Absolutely. And, of course, it's always the head coach. Mm -hmm. You know, did Philbin and did his coaches ask Incognito to toughen him up? I I, I would think he probably did, only because he missed a couple of OTAs and all of that other stuff. I I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, But but once he missed for voluntary, he didn't have to show up. Yeah, but but that's I don't think – you know, I think coaches – you know, for years I've asked veteran players to help toughen up rookie players. But in the way they did it, and the way Richie Incognito took it and spun it off, I think it's crazy. You know, I think it's nuts. And then, of course, we see that video 
um, you know, of Richie Incognito running around a pool hole, you know, screaming at the N-word with his shirt off. To me, it looked like he was in the complete roid rage. I, I don't know if that looked like it to anybody else, but the guy was on something. You don't just run around a pool hole with your shirt off asking everybody if they want a piece of you. Yeah, pretty much. You know? It's not a fight club. Okay? No, no. It, 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 it honest to God, looked like a, a, a real roid rage. So, uh, Roll actually on his Twitter account followed up uh, in the hour since his appearance on WFAN up there in New York. I'll uh, read from his Twitter, quote, uh, every man has to stand up for himself and hold his ground. If you don't stand up for yourself, then who will? This is not the same as bullying in school or being a victim of rape. Oh, boy. This is an NFL locker room. There are rules and regulations. Bullying should never take place for any means. My opinion is Martin should have put Richie in his place. Man against man. Hashtag no bullying. Never said bullying is acceptable under any means. It's dead. A double crooked letter. Wrong. But in this world, in general, people will do what you allow them to do. I am very sympathetic for Martin, and, and if he was my teammate, that would have never took place. That I can assure, a team is a team of brothers. This has nothing to do with being in Miami or New York. This is about protecting this union. There is no room for bullying. This game is hard enough. Yeah. And then he went on to say, I agree about choosing my words more carefully, so I apologize on that behalf. No way he is equally wrong, but he does take some accountability. So he took a step back a little bit from his original statement at the very end, his most recent comment 16 hours ago on his Twitter account. Good for you that you took it back a step, but still, I mean... <sighs> like I said, it's just people coming out, speaking about it, you know, with, you know, who, who really have no, you know, nothing to do with it. Yeah, it, it's... it's. This you is know, a giving story... your picture is one thing, but calling somebody out like Ricky Williams did, you know, oh yeah, he's using Richie Incognito as a scapegoat. How do you know? Come on, man. Right. How do you know? Why? Because one of your little flunkies from inside the Dolphins probably told you some kind of inside information that's not even true? Come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's a story that's going to keep on going over the next few weeks and months. We're not done with this yet by any means yet. No. Uh, yet so. uh, we shall see. We shall see. We're trying to patch in in the uh, uh, next uh, few moments here. Oh, we're ready? Yep, we're ready. Okay, well, let me, let, you know, forget patching. He's going to be patched in just a minute. Uh, we have our guest online, and he will be joining us momentarily. So if you, before we bring him in, if you're logged in in the chat and you want to chat with us and maybe ask a question, bounce a comment, what have you, sign in via Facebook, Twitter, whatever. That's how you can chat with us back and forth. Our guest today, if you've watched any, unless you've been hidden under a rock, you know this man for his work over the last 30-some-odd years in TV, you know him for many cartoon voices. You may not realize it was him, but it was him. And you probably know him best for some of these voices. Hit it, John. Hi, Michelle. It's me, Kermit the Frog. Um, you don't want to cry, do you? <laughs> Mr. Woodchuck's going to help me tell you a story. Is it about Red? <laughs> no, it's called The Three Billy Goats Gruff. So she went to 7-Eleven for a Slurpee where she ran into Bullwinkle. So Bullwinkle says, Hello, Cinderella. Would you like to come to the ball with me? Not only am I a great dancer, but you can hang your coat on my antlers. Kids love this stuff. It takes me back to my childhood. I don't know about you. We are proud and happy to welcome to 24-7 Sports Up Radio the one, the only, Dave Coulier. Dave, are you there? I am here, yes. Boy, those voices, it reminds me of a really bad shirt and a mullet. 
Oh, the 80s, weren't they a wonderful time? Yes. Oh, that's great. Thanks, uh, Dave. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm out here in Los Angeles, and uh, we're. Uh, I, I never want to rub it in, but we are going to have 85 degrees and sunny today. So I was just in Omaha where the weather was very cold, so I'm ba- glad to be back home. That's, that's nice. It's a little cool here on the East Coast, so. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about sports with you a little later on because you do have many ties to the world of hockey. You're a big Red Wings fan. You've done a lot of charity hockey stuff. But, John, I know you want to get in uh, to talking a little bit about Dave's career, so I'll let you start things off. Start the interrogation, sir. Absolutely. You know, first of all, I got, you know, I've really enjoyed your work on Full House. You've did so many voices for so many cartoons that even I grew up from the Muppet Babies to, you know, the real Ghostbusters and even cartoons I had no idea you had any affiliation to. But over the years, I actually took a liking to a web series that you did called Can't Get Arrested, uh, along with Jody Sweeten from Full House and uh, Dennis Haskins from Saved by the Bell and even Cato Kalin. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a great web series. It, w- it went on for five episodes. What happened to it after that? You know, it was uh, you know it was kind of a collective decision from everyone. It was you know basically we're shooting a television show here mm. and. You know, it's a lot of work, and, you know, you've got to write those scripts. And I, you know, had some partners, and I think we all got busy with other projects, including Jody. And so it was just hard to kind of get everyone back together and, you know, collectively keep that going. But we had some great response. You know, I I appreciate the kind words about it. We, um, We actually wrote all five episodes very quickly to get that up and running. And um, uh, I was partnered with a guy named Jordan Rosansky, and he was, he was great to work with, very creative guy. But like I said, we all got busy with other things, so it was kind of tough to keep it going. Yeah. That was a great show. I, I really enjoyed it. I tried to catch it uh, every time it was aired. I, I think I missed the last episode, but I got to try to try to hunt it down so I could watch it. It was really funny. I, I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Another thing I'd ask, too, because I would love to see this as a web series. I remember uh, from a couple of years ago, you made a comment about you and Flava Flav wanted to do a, t- a show together. Are we, we ever going to see that? We were on a surreal life. Yeah, we were. Well, no, no but I'm, I'm talking about the Dave and Flav show. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we were on we were on a surreal life together. We just yeah. remained to be friends, and I love him. He, he, uh, he makes me laugh, and he's a great guy. Yeah. And so I said, you know, we have such good chemistry just as friends together. We should think about putting a show together. And so I came up with this idea where Dave and Flav don't know each other, but they're sitting on a park bench, and all of a sudden they hear a baby crying behind them, and they look behind them, and there's a baby wrapped up uh, in, a, in a bassinet behind them, and there's no one else around. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, there's a baby back here behind the park bench. What do we do? And so... They both get this baby, and they go to the police, and they said, look, we found a baby. And mm-hmm. so they can't locate who the, the baby's parents are or where the kid belongs. They don't know. And so Dave and Clay move in together and adopt this kid who happens mm-hmm. to be of Asian descent. So you got me, Flav. Uh, you know, it's full house meets public enemy with an Asian <laughs> baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That, that just sounds like so, comedy gold right there waiting to happen. 
<laughs> well, we uh, we actually enlisted Jeff Franklin, who created Full House, and mm-hmm. we met at Jeff's house, and he loved the idea, but we just couldn't get any traction at the network. Ah, oh, man. I, I, I don't know how that can't get traction. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I were you yeah. pitching it to cable or syndicated or, or network the the big the big three big four or ever anybody uh, who wanted networks it? yeah okay. networks you know we yeah but um, we just couldn't quite get enough interest about it but everybody I've told that idea to said I'd watch that show <laughs> so I don't know I'm in a very crazy business so I don't I don't pretend to know what other people are thinking. <laughs> Well, you, you mentioned the business you've gotten yourself into over over low these many years, not trying to make you sound older than you, what you are, but how did you first know, growing up, entertainment, stand-up comedy, acting, how did you know you wanted to get into the business in the first place? Well, first of all, I am older than I am, uh, <laughs> just to backtrack here. Um, sure. I, I grew gotcha. up in a very funny family. I, I had a huge family. I had tons of uncles. uh I had nine uncles growing up, and the joke is I always tell people I pulled more fingers than an orthopedic surgeon. And so <laughs> I I just grew up around these very funny people, and, and we loved to watch comedians on television, and we loved to laugh, and uh, I was surrounded by that. And so I always just enjoyed comedians and watching comedians perform, and I really grew up watching Jonathan Winters and and Richard Pryor and George Carlin and um, you know it was you know it was just so fascinating to me that you could make a living just by making people laugh mm. and so then I was always a jock growing up and when you got twenty guys sitting around putting their gear on in the locker room it's kind of a captive audience so I would do impressions of fellow teammates or coaches and and those guys would laugh and. Everybody would always tell me, "Man, you should be a comedian. You can, you've got this gift of making people laugh." So, I got serious about it in high school, and I could do a lot of impressions of teachers and my high school principal. And so, my high school principal got wind of it, and I started doing. He asked me if I would do the announcements in his voice in the morning, and so I would do the announcements as our principal in <laughs> high school. So, that was kind of how I started. That's well, great. Yeah, you you were lucky to have a good principal, I guess, to, who who was okay with this sort of thing, and you know, well, it yeah, wasn't telling was. my off Zach my office that kind of thing, as it were. <laughs> he was he was uh, he was very encouraging, and and I also my best friend Mark Sandrowski now directs the Big Bang Theory television series, and mm-hmm. so Mark and I we would make little eight millimeter movies and we were always writing parodies. And so we were writing comedy when we were kids and we just, you know, both had these, these parallel paths out to Hollywood. But he and I joke about that now thinking we were little idiots. I'll bet people hated us. And look at you now, right? Look at the both of you now, just <laughs> setting the world on fire. You, you you talk about the voices, Dave, that you, you've done over the years. They're indelible in my mind from my childhood and, and into my adulthood, quite frankly. The question I've got to ask is there's got to be a method. You know, you hear, you hear the term method acting. How is it that you come up with the idea of what impression, how to formulate the impression, practicing to get it right? Is there is there truly a method to 
perfecting the impression of a famous celebrity so it sounds just right? I, I'm interested in that. You know, I, I have a very simple process. If it, if it sounds like it in my ear and it makes people laugh or they respond to it, then I just go with it. <laughs> There's not a, I don't have a real complex process, you know. I, I don't map things out on three-by-five cards and record myself. I just kind of, if it works, it works. And, and so that, that's kind of the only logic that I have. Well, yeah, don't, don't worry. I'm not disappointed by the answer. I just thought some people have, you know, they, they take it out and do sort of kind of what you say that others do. But, hey, it comes naturally. It's a beautiful thing. And let me beg this question or raise this question. Do you remember the first voice you impersonated, the first impression you did that got a laugh from either a family member or, you know, a friend or anything like that that said, hmm, maybe this will start the ball rolling a little bit? Well, my brother Dan, who's two years younger than me, we used to um, we used to sit on our front porch and we used to call it narrating the neighborhood, and uh-huh. we used to um, just basically mimic our neighbors across the street, and it was like it was kind of like mystery science theater, you know. We were just <laughs> we, and we would laugh and make each other laugh so hard, and my brother was actually better at voices than I was growing up, so I was always intrigued that he could do a great impression of Mr. Hooper or my uncle Vince. And I kind of learned how to do it from my brother. And so the the first real impression that I did was with my, my friend uh, Tom Keenan growing up. And we used to do an impression of our, uh, our hockey coach. His name was uh, Mr. DeMulinaire. Oh, and, uh, and he, uh, He's dying a dog like this. I'm telling you guys, you can't go out there. <laughs> you got his gate. You got his gate faster, and I'm telling you, it's all backwards right now. <laughs> that's awesome. That's that's and, and it kind of went from there. You you mentioned oh, yeah, hockey. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned hockey, and you grew up. You grew up playing hockey. I I gotta beg. I gotta I gotta ask the obvious question. You grew up in Michigan. Did you play outside on a pond in wintertime, da-da-da-da-da, or were you confined to indoor hockey primarily when you played? No, I grew up in St. Clair Shores, Michigan, and back then it was cold enough through the whole winter where the fire department, at the end of our streets, they would flood these little basins. And so there were rinks everywhere. And then on, mm, the, on, the, on, the, lake, on the lake side of Jefferson Avenue, there were canals behind all the homes leading out to the lake. And so those canals would freeze and people would build hockey nets and they would put lights out there and they would convert riding lawnmowers into little Zambonis. They would um, have flooding systems and there were games going all the time. So I was very lucky when I was a kid to just have rinks that I could walk to. I remember my mom saying, grab your skates and your stick and get out of here. I'm tired of you sitting around and, <laughs> so um, that that's how I, I grew up. But we had we had uh, in my hometown we had one rink. It was called Gordy Howe Hockey Land, mm-hmm. and I actually went to uh, Gordy Howe's hockey school there, where Gordy was actually the instructor. Wow! Mm. Wow! Learn from a legend, Mr. Hockey. Come on! Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it's funny because Gordy and I remain friends to this very day. I, I, last time I saw him, I was at Joe Lewis at a Red Wings game, and 
he came up behind me and put me in a headlock and uh, <laughs> you know I just I just have to pinch myself every time just wow Gordy knows me <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Surreal. That so, is surreal. So was there actually a time where, you know, you dreamt of being an NHL player? Oh, I think every kid does, you know, when they're playing hockey. You have that dream. I, I you know, unfortunately I wasn't good enough to, to, you know, make it. But I got to play with some pretty incredible players. In fact, my defense partner, John Blum, mm-hmm. uh, he was my defense partner in high school. I played at Notre Dame, uh, Harper Woods. And... Um, he went on to play for the Boston Bruins, Edmonton Oilers, uh, Washington Capitals, the Red Wings. And uh, he was a, just a phenomenal player. And so, um, so I got to play with a lot of, you know, great players growing up. And then later on, I got to play with a lot of my heroes in, in charity games. That's great. We actually, we just had uh, D.B. Sweeney on with us last week, and we were talking to him about the charity uh, hockey games as well. Did you ever oh, yeah. get to uh, play in a game with D.B. Sweeney or – yeah, yeah, quite a few times, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's right. that's what right. position did you end up playing, if I may ask? Well, I started as a defenseman, and then once I, I, I quit playing after junior in Detroit, I got an eye injury, and I, I quit playing. And so uh, I moved out here to L.A., and uh, a bunch of actors and guys were playing, and they said, uh, you know, can you play forward? And I was like, yeah, okay. So I was a forward once I got here to L.A., and then I quit again. A few, many years after that, and then um, started skating again on Sunday mornings, and now I'm a defenseman again. It, it all comes full circle. It all comes full circle. <laughs> Talking about, yeah. we met, we dropped D.B. Sweeney's name. We'll pick it up, put it in our back pocket here for a second. But we asked him this on Friday, and I'll ask this to you now. Uh, for those just tuning in, talking, of course, with the great Dave Coulier here on 24-7 Sports Hub Radio, Jim Williams, Jonathan Raggis uh, with you as well. Of the celebrities you've played with over the years you've done the charity hockey events, who is the most fierce? Who's the one who takes the game the most seriously? Who puts who puts it all on the line? Um, you know, Jason Priestley and I played in the game, and and um, it was uh, here in Los Angeles, and I think it was his birthday actually, and he got five goals in the charity game. Ooh, and so. Uh, you know he he uh, you know he's a pretty good little player. You know there's another guy named Chris Potter who's good. Another guy named Lachlan Monroe mm-hmm. um, who's an actor who uh, takes it seriously. I'll I'll tell you though David E Kelly the writer producer played in college and is a a heck of a player. He's a defenseman. Uh, he takes it very seriously. Wow. And I skated with Dave on a team called the Hawks here in Los Angeles for many years and. Uh, he was he was great to play with because he he was he really took every game very seriously. Hmm. That's fun though. I mean, you might as well, right? If you're playing, <laughs> that's always fun. Yeah, I you know, know, but it's fun. So you know, and especially when it's for charity yeah. too, it's always great to be involved in it. So we definitely got to ask you about this though, and uh, I, I want to get your two cents on this to see if this was actually true or not. We were reading this morning a little bit about it. Um, you being the commissioner for Chikara Pro Wrestling here in Philadelphia, did that actually happen? You know, they just kind of made me the commissioner and sent me an email and said, oh, by the way, you're the commissioner. <laughs> so I was kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, sounds good. So I, I never really officially did anything, but, yeah. um, you know, it was just one of those, those strange things. But, 
it did happen, but you know, I don't remember consciously ever doing anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we read that today that you actually followed Bob Saget because he was the commissioner before you supposedly. So we were thinking, wow, we both live here around Philadelphia. How did we not hear about that? So, yeah, uh, yeah, one of those weird things. Have you ever, have you ever even on tape or on YouTube watched a match from Chikara Pro Wrestling? I have not, but okay. I think now that you've mentioned it, I, I probably should, yeah. Well, no, well, I think they went out of business, John would know this more than I, um, in the last year or so, but they're trying to, to come back. So maybe you can actually be the commissioner and make a cameo? Uh, well, let's not go that far, but uh, you never know. You never know. I um, want to go back to hockey for a second here because you are a big Detroit Red Wings fan, correct? I am. Yeah. 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 So you're looking at your team. They're tied in a log jam with Tampa Bay and Toronto's having a great year in the, in the newly reformed Atlantic Division. You like having Detroit back in the, uh, over in the Eastern Conference now? Well, yeah. And, you know, I like the way they've kind of realigned things, especially for Detroit because now they play a lot more teams in their time zone. And, uh, you know, you've got Tampa and, you know, Toronto, Boston, Montreal, Ottawa, Florida, Buffalo. Um, You know, when they were making those trips out here to L.A. for Anaheim, they would make that West Coast swing out here. Uh, That's tough. That'll beat you up, you know, that traveling. And so uh, I think that realignment is, is much better, certainly for the Red Wings. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll ask the hypothetical question, 2014, the big house, Toronto, Detroit. Are you going? Oh, I'm there. I got my tickets already. Oh, really? Nice. Really nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely going to that. And, and um, I still skate with the Wings alumni occasionally, and so mm-hmm. I know all the boys. And, and um, you know, it's, it's just going to be a blast. I went to the game at Wrigley Field, Detroit, and Chicago, oh, and that wow. was just phenomenal. It was just phenomenal. And so. Uh, when they announced uh, that it was coming to Detroit, of course, we missed it last year, rescheduled for this season, uh, I jumped all over it. So I can't wait to go. Is, let, me, let me beg this as well, or raise this, ask this, whatever you want to say. Uh, the Winter Classic, best thing to happen to hockey in years, do you think it's to the novice casual fan? Not the, not the hardcore guy like you, but, but the, the casual fan, the casual observer, do you think this is bigger to them than the Stanley Cup final? I think it certainly is a bigger event because it's, a, it's one event, whereas the, the Stanley Cup, you know, the finals, you know, that drags on for a long time. You know, you've got, you've got a lot of games to absorb there. This, the, the excitement builds up about one event, and I think it makes it really special. I think, I think for the casual fan, I think it's a big deal. I think, you know, going into the big house where there's 110,000 people watching a hockey game is pretty incredible. And I'm going to the, uh, you know, the game at the Comerica Park. And so, you know, these are, these are big-scale events. And I think that for, certainly for the casual fan, I think it, it opens up uh, a whole new experience for a lot of new NHL fans, which is great. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about Full House, though, because we are talking about hockey as well. We saw you don a lot of Red Wings gear every once in a while on Full House. Was was that your decision to incorporate that into the episode, considering that they were based out in California, or, you know, did you have to fight with them a little bit on that? 
No, I, I suggested it to the producers, and they said, okay, great idea. And that was back when I remember just calling the Illich family in Detroit, and I said, hey, can you guys, I'm on this TV series, can you ship me a bunch of Red Wing stuff and I'll wear it on the show? And so a crate of Red Wing <laughs> memorabilia and jerseys, and they were amazing. They, they sent all this stuff out. And then um, for the 75th anniversary of the NHL, they made me their uh, celebrity captain in Detroit. And so, um, y- you know, it was, uh, it was great to be able to wear that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the producers were like, well, Red Wings, you know. Who, oh, okay, well, that's kind of obscure. Sure, <laughs> it's funny. Let's go for it. That's great. That's great. Um, there's a lot of rumors going around right now. Of course, we know that it was a part of, a, of an April Fool's joke, but the wow, the the cry of support uh, just coming out because of it has been huge. I mean, people today just continue to love Full House like it's still a new show, like it's still running every week on TV, um, that there was going to be a sequel coming out based off of uh, DJ and Stephanie, but of course it was an April uh, a Fool's joke. If that were to ever happen... Would you be interested in appearing on a sequel? Well, I love all the, you know, my fellow actors from Full House. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we all, uh, we really did become a dysfunctional family off camera as well. I mean, we really, you know, remained to be close friends. And so I, I would do it in a heartbeat just to be able to work with everyone again. I, I think it would be great. I, I'm not sure how audiences would respond because I think, we created something, as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's more popular than ever now on ABC yeah. Family and Nickelodeon. And, um, it, you know, I, I think it's become this iconic show for so many people that is, you know, spread across several generations now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be tough to recreate what is already such a strong image in so many people's minds. Yeah, because it really is just a legendary show. I mean, you know, my nephews who are under the age of 10, they watch it every day when they, you know, got word that we were going to be talking to you today. The seven-year-old one was going, oh, my God, you're talking to Joey, you're talking to Joey. And this is a show that was, you know, off the air way, way, way before he was born. So, I mean, it's amazing how many people still talk about Full House today. I mean, does that mean a lot to you that people still do that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. I, I mean, we have great fans. And I'm out doing a ton of stand-up comedy right now, so uh, those fans come out in droves to my shows. Mm-hmm. And um, I talk a little bit about Full House, and, and uh, I think there's a lot of people who don't realize that I'm actually a, a stand-up in real life. They saw me yeah. do it on Full House, but now they're coming out to, um, you know, to my live shows, and uh, it's, it's great to have those people out because... Um, you know, it's a really wide demographic. So I get anything from, you know, teenagers to people in their 50s and 60s who watched it with their grandkids or their kids. So it's mm-hmm. it's great, yeah. And you mentioned talking about relating your 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 time with Full House to your stand-up act, which you've done for a number of years. Unlike your your friend Bob Saget, you're not in it for the shock value to give people culture shock, like, oh, my God, Danny Tanner said that? You're actually a part of something called the Clean Guys of Comedy. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. I mean, I love Bob dearly, and he's terrifically funny, but I always tell people he's my filthy Jewish sister. And so... (laughs) 
So we just have different styles, and sure. I, I, I've heard from so many people over the years. How it started was when I was 20 years old, Jay Leno came up to me one night at the comedy store, and he said, hey, cool, yeah, I saw your set, very good, clean, funny stuff. He said, you know, if you work clean, you'll be able to work everywhere. And I never, I, you know, and I thought about that, and I thought that's a really smart thing that he just said to me. I will never have to edit myself. And so I've heard from so many people for so many years, hey, thanks for doing a clean show. You didn't swear. And I was like, well, to me, funny is funny without the F-bomb aftertaste, you know, you, you know, because I think so many people now just take for granted that when you go to see a comedian, it's going to be filthy and, and it just, you know, it's not the case. You can be really funny without doing that. Look at Bill Cosby, look at Seinfeld, look at um, all the comedians that you've seen for years on The Tonight Show and Letterman. Um, so I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just saying to people, look, if, if you want to come to a show where you're not going to hear that kind of language, this is the show for you. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that at all. And, no. and you do a fine job with it. In fact, uh, oh, let's allow you to tell the, our listeners where you're going to be over the next little while and how they can find out about tour dates. Uh, you can just go to my website, DaveCoulier.tv, and I'm launching a new redesigned website with um, a ton of cool interactive things and a blog. And, um, you know, you can see my tour dates and, you can even you'll be able to buy a, a wacky cut it out T-shirt. Um, we're going to have lots of merchandise, just more interactivity. So that's DaveCoulier.tv, but people can also follow me at Dave Coulier on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. You know, you can you can you can track me down like a rented mule, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Reach out and touch him, boys and girls. Uh, tour dates, you're uh, going to be at Hermosa Beach at the Comedy and Magic Club November 13th, and you're coming our way to Harrisburg, PA, at the Second Street Comedy Club, and then from there, you're in Florida, you're in Canada, you're everywhere. It, it, it's great stuff. Great stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, a pleasure to talk with you over the course of uh, these last 20, 25 minutes. Uh, you know, bringing me back to my childhood, literally. And I don't mean that to make you sound old. I mean that is a highly complimentary thing. <laughs> well, thanks. I, I appreciate it very much. And um, I should probably point out we're doing our second Clean Guys of Comedy live concert in movie theaters nationwide January 23. So we're going to be announcing our lineup here pretty soon. And it's called a Fathom event. And um, you can just go to uh, fathom.com or cleanguysofcomedy.com, and you'll be able to, you know, type in your, uh, just enter in your, your zip code and find a theater in your neighborhood and come out and watch some hysterical stand-ups. Oh, we'll definitely be doing that for sure. No doubt about it. Cool. Dave, seriously, thank you so much. It really was a, a privilege and an honor for both Jim and I to have you on our show today and to talk to you, and uh, hopefully we can get you back on in the future with us. I would love to. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk when we get closer to the um, the Clean Guys show, January 23rd. That'd be Absolutely. great. Absolutely. We'll, de- we'll definitely Four, reach out. Boom. There we go. There you go. Thank you so much, Dave. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. That was Dave Coulier, actor, comedian. Uh, of course, everybody knows him from Full House and the voice of so many cartoons. Uh, great guy. Uh, big, big hockey fan. What a What a great interview, Jim. So much stuff you learn about an individual. It's very cool and very class act. And, uh, Absolutely. I can't lie. I still got butterflies in me. 
Because I, I was nervous. I, I was nervous talking to him. Well, listen, you know what? My wife asked me last week, you know, because I was talking, you know, we had D.B. Sweeney on the air, and I've been talking to D.B. Uh, through text message for the last, uh, you know, week now. And she goes, did you ever think you'd be talking to people that you just, you, you loved and, you know, actors from movies that you loved? Did you ever think you'd be talking to them on a daily basis? And I'm like, honestly, no, I never ever thought I would be doing that. So, no. you know what, you do get the butterflies, but uh, it, it's, it's great when uh, – they're just, you know, such class acts, like you said, and, uh, you know, you realize that they're not just an actor. They're, you know, they're a person, too, you know, that has... Uh, and genuine, Yeah, too. yeah genuine, good. and you know what? They're a fan of the same things we are, like hockey. Um, so it, it, was, it was great, and we'll definitely reach out to Dave and try to have him on, uh, you know, before the uh, Clean Guys of Comedy tour. That'd be great. Yeah, which is very cool. Again, check your, check your local theater listings and fanofevents.com for that information. Uh, I think the Regal down near where I am uh, does some of those things, so I might just go and check it out myself. Absolutely. Also, you know, once again, let's plug his uh, tour dates uh, over at uh, DaveCoulier.tv. You can check it out November 13th at the Comedy and Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, California. November 15th and 16th at the Second Street Comedy Club in Harrisburg, PA. And, of course, in December, he'll be at the uh, West Palm Improv in Palm Beach and the Esplanade Performing Arts Center in Medicine Hat, Alberta, Canada. So perfect place for a hockey fan to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great, great, great stuff. Uh, let's touch on a little bit of baseball. What do you think? Oh, well, how, how do we top that? We go back to baseball. <laughs> uh, listen, I, I'm sorry, man. You can't top Dave Cooley. You Kool can't yet. top that. No matter what we talk about now, man, uh, it's going to be boring. So Please stay with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we have to talk about the news in Seattle. They have a new manager. His name is Lloyd McLennan. You may have heard of him. He's known for throwing and stealing bases all around the greater Pittsburgh area. Uh, the past six years, he served as the hitting coach for the Detroit Tigers. This is a... And I recorded my baseball podcast last night, and we have a couple of people who contribute to that podcast from Seattle, and they pretty much said <laughs> Bud Rucker to it all, as yeah. it were. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that he's a good fit. You know what? I, I, I don't know, but Dave Sims, who I'm friends with on Facebook, who uh, is the uh, Seattle Mariners play-by-play announcer, he wrote well, yesterday... He wrote yesterday that he just spoke with uh, Lloyd McClendon. He's very, very stoked, and Dave Sims uh, himself said he's, he looks forward to seeing him put his hard-nosed, get-it-done trademark on the Mariners. Um, he expects a lot of little details to be well taken care of as, as they move forward, and uh, you know what? That's something that the Mariners absolutely need. So we'll find out, I guess, uh, as the season starts uh, next season, and uh, you know, I guess we'll see what Lloyd McClendon is going to do for the Mariners. So. I mean, he, he took... It was he was in control of a young upstart team in Pittsburgh from 01 to 05, I think it was, and you know he was 110 games below 500 in his tenure there. Mm. Who's to say it won't happen again? And, and you know Eric Wedge leaving them in the off season, or as the season ended, the Mariners were just getting starting to get to form a little bit. I mean they're not a great team. I'm not going to mistake them for a for a playoff. No, but they played some. Yeah, but they played some decent baseball last year in spurts. So they yeah. so they got some players. So they've got some players. They've got, and of course, anytime you have King Felix, you can't rule anything out there. So um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, he's the new manager there in Seattle. The Cubs still looking for their manager. I have a feeling that's going to take a while because that is a job nobody wants. Crazy. Quite frankly, crazy. It's uh, it, it is what it is, yeah. as we so often say. Uh, you want to hit a little NBA uh, right now? Let's hit a little round ball. A little association for the kids. Go over some of the scores from last night real quick. The uh, Charlotte Bobcats with a 102-97 win against the New York Knicks. Big story coming out of that one. Tyson Chandler gets injured. 
is going to be out for four to six weeks. That hurts the Knicks because they do not have a legitimate backup center on their roster. Bobcats aren't looking bad. Not, not at all. Bad. Not at all. We said they weren't going to be that bad this season. So They could be an eight seed or a seven seed. You never know. Still early on, but we'll find out, I guess, Very true. closer to the middle of the season. Right. Miami Heat uh, with a 104-95 win over the Toronto Raptors. The Brooklyn Nets with a 104-88 win over the Utah Jazz. Jazz now 0-4 to start the season. Mm. The Indiana Pacers with a 90, uh, 99-91 win over the Detroit Pistons. Pacers 4-0 and to start the season. I like their team, man. I think they're going to do some good things this season. So Good makeup there, yeah. We'll find out. Phoenix Suns now 3-1 and one on the season with a 104-98 win against the New Orleans Pelicans, who are now 1-3. and three. Sorry to our good friend Chucky Brown. Sucks. Sorry to our good friend Carl Chenier at CLW83. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. I forgot. He's a big one, too. Yeah, well, he's nobody. Don't worry. He rolls eyes. Oh, man. Uh, what else do we got? Let's see. Uh, Dallas Mavericks with a 123 to 104 win over the Los Angeles Lakers. High scoring game there. Dallas Mavericks now three and one. San- Los Angeles is just trying to hold on until Kobe comes. Back. Oh, absolutely, Ab- absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, San Antonio Spurs with a 102 94 win over the now 0 and 3 Denver Nuggets. And Tim Duncan looked like a young Tim Duncan yesterday. It's amazing, man. The guy doesn't age. Fountain of youth. It's scary, man. It's Ab- scary. Absolutely. Houston Rockets with a 116-101 win over the Portland Trailblazers. Houston Rockets now 4-1 and in the season, and the final game of the night was the Atlanta Hawks taking on the Sacramento Kings, and the Hawks won that one 105-100 to move to 2-2 two and two at the beginning of the season. Sacramento Kings now 1-3. and three. We got 10 games on the bill tonight. Busy yeah. night. Busy Ten night. Game. I like that. I'm, I'm a basketball fan as much as I am a the, hockey uh, fan. So. Yeah, we got the Raptors against the Bobcats uh, in uh, Charlotte as I scroll back and forth on the on the schedule here. The Bulls take on the Pacers, a Pacers team. Uh, well, you know, they're trying to bounce back off of being uh, unblemished there. It's going to be a good game, though. Oh, absolutely. It could, be, it could be a preview of things to come. I know it's very early to say that, but guess what? I just said it. The Clippers take on the Orlando Magic. My 76ers try to get back on their winning ways against the Washington uh, Generals. I mean, Wizards. Wizards. Washington Wizards. We got metal lock on your team. Uh, <laughs> my main man. Actually, you in the middle, so. The Utah Jazz take on the Boston Celtics uh, at the Garden. Yeah, the and winless. Now, oh, and there will be hoppers for everybody. 0-4 versus 0-4 tonight, man. Somebody's got to win, so. Well, they can't tie. Oh, that's right. This is basketball. They can't tie. Yeah. The New Orleans Pelicans take on the Memphis Grizzlies in the uh, in the game of two teams with nicknames that don't make sense to where they live. Well, the Pelicans do make sense. I'll grant that. Cleveland and Milwaukee. Uh, and then you get out towards the left coast a little bit more. Uh, the Warriors take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Good matchup there. Uh, Phoenix against the Spurs. And Dallas against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That's a good game, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to it tonight. So. Good night. It's uh, ESPN's coverage tonight. They've got the Dallas OKC game at 9.30. And at 7, they've got Chicago and Indiana. So looking there you go. Good. Looking good. Uh, knowing is half the battle. No. <laughs> knowing is half the battle, Jim. That is true. G.I. I just made you just like, huh? <laughs> huh? You caught me off guard there, man. I'm good at that, aren't I? Yeah, thank you. You are. You are. But, um, uh, you know. Yeah. One other thing here, as we get ready to kind of slowly close up shop, we, 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 we're still on that high talking with Coulier, which is awesome. Oh, absolutely, man. Uh, last night, if you were watching uh, the four-letter network known as ESPN, you may have seen a bunch of guys around a table playing cards. World Series of Poker main event 
it came to, and for I think it's the if I'm remember reading this correctly, the eighth or ninth year in a row that a twenty something year old guy yeah right won the beast. World, yeah World yeah. Series of Reese the Beast that's right yeah. Ryan Reese a twenty three year old poker pro from Michigan just won millions of dollars millions of dollars do the dance do the dance eight point four million dollars. <laughs> After uh, pretty much the the head-to-head was a no contest against Las Vegas club promoter, a 29-year-old in his own right, Jay Farber, Uh, he won the World Series of Poker last night, shown uh, on just, what was it, a 10, 15-minute delay, I think. Uh, Three uh, and a half hours, man. It's just $8.4 million, and he has the half-million-dollar bracelet. I'm not a big poker fan, but when it gets to the the final table, I have to watch. Yeah. it's it's entertaining stuff, and I love the fact in the last couple of years that ESPN has given us the almost live coverage. Almost, it's it's getting better, right? Every year they give give you at least an extra five minutes of live coverage. Well, well, exactly. I mean, it used to be that they, I think, when they first tried to do it live, they showed it on pay per view, and nobody's buying that. Yeah. So absolutely. they they figured they go ahead and do it like a five ten minute delay, so as you know, for various you know bleepity bleeps or whatever. But it was like a no contest when it went head-to-head. An absolute no contest. It did not take long for Reese to take down Farber, and he is the champion of the World Series of Poker. Yeah, a little advice for Ryan Reese. You're going to have a lot of new friends starting today. So. <laughs> well, don't be like MC Hammer and don't give out that money. But for the love of all that is good, did you see the mascot? He had a beast with him. He looked like Chewbacca, but it was a beast. No, actually, I didn't. Yeah, I, 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 well, I guess you didn't watch it. There was a guy dressed yeah, up. Well, I didn't, but you know what? You think it's on ESPN, they're playing it, but yet there's no real coverage of it. So Well, know. and it was on the main channel. It wasn't on the Deuce. In fact, I, I have it here. I just found it via my, one of my favorite sites, 30fps.mocksession.com. Uh, there is a beast. I'm going to link it in the Skype window here. Heck, I'll put it in the chat for those of you left in the chat who want to check this out. Uh, in fact, we have uh, somebody oh, in the great. chat room, Emperor Magus. Was he wearing a Megatron jersey? He was. See, because only the best likes Megatron. Class Screw goes with point. class. You know yeah. what I mean? Absolutely. Class with class. Class with class, man. And there it is in the chat room there, the, the Beast. Yep. And when I think of the Beast, I usually think of Mark Labette. Oh, oh, it's Tom Delgado joining us in the chat. That's who it is. Dan, I actually think it's Dan Severn, so... Oh, there you go. Oh, well, Dan Severn. Oh, well, yeah, UFC. But I, I, see, I'm in a game. I'm a game show guy. You know this. Come on, man. Now we got to get Bob Barker on the podcast to talk about spaying and neutering pets. I think we got to get John Stamos on with us. It's going to be a full house week. Oh, we should, man. I think we should have everybody on. Well, I'll just have the reunion right now. Let's, well, actually, it's funny. Huffington Post uh, doing the research for this. Huffington Post did a great job interviewing the number of the uh, the cast members from the show from years gone by. Yeah. I'd avoid the twins, though. I'd avoid the twins. Oh, man. <laughs> <Prime. laughs> well, that's it for today. I'm kidding. I don't know. That's it for today's episode. They're probably uh, nice kids. They're probably nice young men. Right? We want to send out a huge thank you to Dave Coulier, the great I Dave. I caught you off guard again, didn't I? What was that? I caught you off guard again, didn't I? Yes, no, I did. did. But it's pretty funny. But yes, thanks to Dave Coulier. Uh, incredible, incredibly nice, incredibly gracious with his time. And uh, we learned a lot, and we had a lot of fun. Absolutely, absolutely. It was a really, really great interview. We talked about uh, you know, voiceovers. We've talked about impressions. We talked about the great show that it is and still is, 
full house. And we talk some hockey. We even talk I mean, honestly, did you ever think we'd sit here and talk Chikara professional wrestling with Dave Coulier? No, but we, we got him to open up the fact that he has never watched a Chikara Pro match, but he's going to now, maybe. maybe. Yeah, we're going to have to email him and ask him that in about a month, see if he wants. We, we should point him in the direction of Botchamania, I think. Absolutely. Botchamania. That's another good we got to get Matthew on 15 here. 15 minutes of Brock Lesnar. <laughs> People talking too much, exactly. Oh, there you go. All right, man. Once again, thank you to Dave Coulier for uh, taking the time out of his schedule to join us today. It was a phenomenal interview, and we hope to have him with us again in the future. Uh, we will be back Friday. Yeah, but Monday we have a guest as well. Monday, that's what we get. That we will be back Friday. But uh, come on Monday, author Jeff Perlman, who is uh, the writer for such books as The Bad Guys, one about the 1986 Mets, The Rocket That Fell to Earth about Roger Clemens, and Love Me, Hate Me, a phenomenal book about what a scumbag Barry Bonds is. Love it, own it. Jeff Perlman's a good friend of ours here at the show. He's going to be joining us on Monday to talk about youth sports because he wrote an article for the Wall Street Journal about why he would not let his kids play team sports. And we're going to talk to them about that since, uh, you know, we just spoke to uh, Billy Owens about that on Monday. And uh, we brought that up, a few, uh, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Jim, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be nice to, you know, to find out from Jeff why he wouldn't let his uh, kids play team sports and, and so much more. So that will be on Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time as well. Should be an insightful discussion because there are a lot of aspects to that that really are. Oh, yeah. Jeff's a great guy, too. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of writing for Sports Illustrated. His books are phenomenal. If you have never read anything Jeff Perlman has written, um, you know, I implore you to go out and, uh, you know, get a couple of his books. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. I own a bunch of them. And, and, see, and good friend of ours here. And so you think I was kidding and just trying to be nice when I said this is going to be a November to remember. D.D. Sweeney joining us uh, to start the month. We have Dave Coulier on here. We've got Perlman coming on. Who knows who's going to be next? You've got to tune More in. You've got to listen in. More coming. Let me tell you. I, I promise you that. So, once again, thanks to Dave Coulier. So, for Jim Williams, I'm Jonathan Raggis. We'll see you all Friday. And this show has just been cut out, if you will. <laughs>